Hey, hey, everybody, it's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. I am sad that we have come to the end of our Relationship Mistakes series, but I hope that this series has really made you think. I hope that it's made you dig deep into yourself and really put a microscope even on your relationship to see which of these relationship mistakes you actually might be committing, even if unknowingly. So we're going to recap all the relationship mistakes once we get into the episode, but I just want to set this episode up by saying, honestly, guys, you know, this is called Real Relationship Talk, and I'm going to tell you real talk, this was a difficult episode for Sean and I to do together. We are still dealing with some restoration in our own marriage, and talking about shame kind of uncovered, I think, some things that I was not expecting. And everything is fine. We're doing good. However, we had to pause a couple times during this episode just to kind of be like, are we okay? Like, are we good? And so this is kind of a raw conversation that we had. And um, I'm actually really nervous <laughs> to bring it to you. Um, but I hope that you enjoy it. And um, I've always said, God, I want you to use my marriage, use the things that we've gone through, use the things that we've struggled through to help other people. And so here you have it. We don't have a Today with Dana Shea question today because I did not receive any. So you guys, be sure to go ahead and continue to send me your questions. You can email them to Q&A at DanaShea.com. That's Q and spelled out A, the letter A, at DanaShea.com. You can also always reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, I am at Real Relationship Talk or on Facebook at The Real Relationship Talk. So be sure to send me your questions on Instagram, Facebook, or email. I would love to feature them in an upcoming episode. Well, before we jump into today's episode, I'm excited to tell you about an upcoming workshop that we're doing for women only. This workshop is called Married Women's Rights and Wrongs, and I'm really excited to bring this workshop to you live, in person, and online. So you can head on over to danashay.com slash coaching to find out all the details about the workshop. It's going to be coming up on December 15th. And so that's just a couple weeks away. And so I want to encourage you ladies, be sure to go ahead and register for that workshop. We've got special pricing going on right now. So you want to be sure to go ahead and grab your seat for that. Well, without any further ado, let's jump into our conversation as we discover and uncover how shame affects relationships. We have made it to our final installment of the Relationship Mistakes series. And just to recap, for those of you guys who may have just found this podcast or maybe you haven't listened to the whole series, I'm just going to recap really quickly for you the five relationship mistakes that are wrecking your life in order. And so the first one we talked about, apathy. And so apathy is basically just a feeling of, I don't care. It's when you've gone through so much in your marriage, you've gone through so much in your relationship, you've been disappointed so many times that you've just grown apathetic. The second mistake that people make in their relationship is comparison. And we talked in the podcast episode about this isn't just comparing your relationship to somebody else's, but it's also comparing yourself to your partner. 
and having this tension and this competition going on, that can actually quickly unravel any marriage or any relationship. The third relationship mistake we talked about was unforgiveness. And we talked about how unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It's unproductive 100% of the time. And so we need to work on not only forgiving people, but also releasing them from the debts that we feel like they owe us. And then fourthly, we talked about fear. And fear is one of those relationship mistakes that really gets in there and causes us to doubt. It causes us to be afraid. It causes anxiety. And it's something that most of us deal with at some point or another. And so we're bringing this whole series home And we're talking today about shame. And so Sean and I were actually just sitting here talking before we started recording. And we were talking about shame and how often this one is so undetectable. Because in my opinion, a lot of people don't really realize that they're dealing with shame. I think if you go on the sidewalk, you know, in any major city and you were to ask people, are you dealing with shame? Most people would say no. And so, Sean, you kind of had a little bit of a different take on that. You actually disagreed. And so what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I do disagree. I do feel that most people know they're dealing with shame, but just don't know how to um, overcome it. And they're also embarrassed as well as uh, they don't want it to be um, – pointed out by their spouse, friends, or whoever. It's hard enough to deal with it yourself. And when somebody else is uh, putting the spotlight on it, it makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. So when you said like that people are embarrassed, like, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, why do you think that people are embarrassed because they have shame? Nobody wants to be a failure. So when they mess up, I mean, it's embarrassing. We know we messed up. And to have someone else tell us we messed up after we already know. It makes it even worse. So interestingly enough, Sean, I think that that is what feeds the whole shame monster. It's this whole feeling of not wanting to be exposed. And really, that's what shame is all about. Shame actually is when we feel exposed or uncovered. It's when we feel like we're unworthy, we are somehow defective, um, we're unwhole, And so you're right. I think that if we already feel that way about ourselves, if someone points that out to us, especially someone that we love, um, a spouse, you know, someone really close to us, then it can be really counterproductive in us actually dealing with our shame. But the crazy thing is, I think that that's really the only way to heal from it because you can't fix what you don't face. And God can't heal what you don't feel. And so if you're not willing to feel the feelings, then they can't really be healed. Well, I wouldn't say that people are not really willing to feel it. It's just for, in my experiences, it's more of we feel it, want to go through it. But if it's somebody else is pointing it out, you can't really go through or experience it yourself. You're experiencing what they want you to feel or what they think you should feel. But I think if you're already feeling shame, you're already feeling it. So whether someone points it out or not, this is what you're feeling. You wake up every day and you feel like something's wrong with me. You feel like I'm a failure. You feel like I'm defective. I can't do anything right. And so someone pointing that out to you might underscore that a little bit, but you're already feeling that way regardless of whether somebody points it out. So I think what I'm trying to 
discover or question or wonder is regardless of whether someone says something to you about your shame, it's already there. And so how do you actually move from point A to point B? How are you willing to be vulnerable to yourself? Because I think if you're not willing to be vulnerable to yourself, there's no way that you can really be vulnerable to somebody else. Well, it is hard to deal with it by yourself. I mean, there that's a process. But as you were saying, this point, if someone points it out, it's all about how they do it. You know, if they are, if they come with you with an attitude of love, grace, and willing to help you out. From my experiences, when I had someone that came that really wanted to help me, you know, and show genuine help, like I'm here when it helps you get through this. I mean, you don't have to go through this alone. It was more, it was easier to acknowledge, to face face the shame, and come up with a plan to overcome the shame. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I tell this story all the time. It's, it's actually not my story. It's God's story. But um, in the book of Genesis, you know, in the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, they were husband and wife. This was God's original intent for a marriage. The Bible says that God made them and they were naked and unashamed. And for so long, we've looked at that naked and unashamed as like they were running around the garden with no clothes on and they just like didn't know that they were naked. And that is a part of it. But I think that deeper than that, it's the emotional connection that they had, that they were naked, they were vulnerable, they were open, they were honest with each other, and they weren't ashamed. And so they weren't trying to hide. They weren't trying to be something that they weren't. Then sin entered into the picture. And we know the story. If you are familiar with the Bible, you know the story of what happened. They ate the forbidden fruit. And then sin enters into the world. And they then become ashamed. And so the first thing that they did was they sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. And I just think this is just such a powerful image because here you have this man and this woman who used to be completely uninhibited, who used to actually share everything and just be themselves. Now they're hiding. There's nobody else in the garden, which was interesting. Like It wasn't like they were hiding from other people. They were hiding from each other. And I think that that story has played out so many times in so many marriages. When something enters into the marriage, I believe usually it's sin, whether it's sin that you've perpetuated or that's been done to you, that has entered in and it causes you to hide. It causes you to, instead of being vulnerable, it causes you to not want to be seen. And I know that this has played out in our marriage because we were together so young, but I think that when there were different things that we experienced in our marriage, I know for me, I could speak from my perspective for sure, that I would just hide. I wouldn't want you to even physically like see me. Um, I wouldn't want you to to see that I was hurting. And so for me, I I didn't really I didn't really do well with like showing hurt. My thing was anger. I could show anger very well. Because anger is a self-preservation mechanism. Anger is always a secondary emotion, right? And so for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to show him that I'm hurt. I can show him that I'm mad. And so that's what shame does is it it makes you hide. It makes you say, I'm not going to show you who I really am. I'm going to put these little fig leaves on me that don't really cover up anything. But it has the facade of protecting me. Your shame does make you hide again because you're embarrassed. 
for one, like for me, I can say I was embarrassed of may have failed or something or didn't do the best or whatever it may be. You know, I was embarrassed. So, yes, you did want to hide because you don't want your failures pointed out. You know, you want you want your failures to go away and disappear. So if you hide for a little bit, hoping that it'll go away. And I think the cycle of shame is just so unfortunate because if you already feel like you're unworthy, then what happens is you tell yourself the story. You know, so let's say, for example, I feel that I'm unworthy. And so I feel that I'm unworthy. And therefore, I tell myself I'm unworthy. Now, I might not say those words to myself. I might not say, Dana, you're unworthy. You're unworthy. But what happens is I hide. Instead of showing up and being fully myself, I might shrink back from opportunities. I might not pursue certain relationships or certain friendships. I might not take on different adventures or assignments or whatever it is because I feel unworthy. Honestly, like I can completely identify with this. When you are a go-getter, like I'm a go-getter, I go after things, but there have definitely been times in my life where I have hid from opportunities because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough for those. And so what happens is, I'm going to put this in the context of a relationship, right? Let's say a woman feels unworthy. Something happened to her in her past. She feels defective. She feels marked somehow in a bad way, and she just feels I'm not worthy of love. I'm never going to find this love that I've wanted all of my life. So then what happens is you feel that way, you believe that, and then you begin to attract people who will underscore that in your life. You attract people who will say, yes, you are unworthy. So this particular woman, she gets involved in an abusive relationship. And then that man treats her like crap, completely abuses her, misuses her, beats her down even more so than what she already feels like she is. And then that relationship ends. Well, she then finds somebody else, treats her the same way. And it's just like this crazy cycle because she feels unworthy and therefore she's going to attract people who tell her, yes, you are unworthy. And this is why it's so important that we acknowledge these feelings of shame and that we heal from them so that we can not only attract good relationships, but most of us, many of us are already in relationships. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably are already married or you're in a relationship right now. And so how do you actually build connection? Because that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about building connection, deeper connections with the one that you're with. And so in our marriage, Sean, Have you ever felt like you were disconnected from me because of shame? And if so, how did you bridge that? Of course. I mean, you know, um, a lot of times I made a lot of mistakes. So for one, because you are a black and white person, it was hard to even, you know, deal with the shame myself, but even talk to you about the shame because, a lot of times it's hard for me to get you to understand or maybe see where I'm coming from. It was hard to to deal with it myself and also deal with trying to explain it to you because, um, you know, like I said earlier, for me, I beat myself up enough that when I fell at something, so whether it um, be a relationship or losing a job or just, you know, not saving money or whatever it may be, I'm beating myself up enough because I know I want to do something, but if I can't get it right, then having to come 
try and talk to you about it and deal with whatever response may be, whatever it may be. I'm thinking in my head that a response is not going to be good. So now I just want to go hide, stay in my own little corner, and, and hopefully it goes away soon. I, of course, never really knew that. Like, from from my perspective, it just looks like, wow, he's really disconnected. And not realizing that this is like the internal battle that you were dealing with. And isn't it so interesting as we've been talking about these relationship mistakes, like I even think about comparison. So if I'm, and we talked about this very candidly in the comparison episode, but if I'm comparing you to someone else, or if I'm comparing myself to you, then that's going to really just magnify that shame in you or vice versa. If you're doing that to me, if I'm holding unforgiveness towards you because of a mistake that you've made, then that's going to also magnify that shame in you. And uh, honestly, a lot of times it's fear. Like in the example that you just used, let's take it back to, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago when you lost a job. That was one of the very few times that I really saw you very emotional. And I remember feeling so afraid because at the time you were the only breadwinner and now you didn't have a job. So immediately I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we have no income. And so I'm completely afraid and wondering, oh my gosh, are we going to be able to eat? You know, how are we going to take care of our two little kids we had at the time? And so my response probably was not very loving or patient. It was probably very fear-based. And so as we've been talking about these relationship mistakes, like they all kind of, it's like a domino effect, you know, they all are connected. And so when you're feeling fear, that's going to magnify shame. When you're feeling shame, that's going to magnify unforgiveness. When you're feeling unforgiveness, that leads to apathy. And so I really hope you guys that are listening, I really hope that you will go through these episodes and listen to them one by one. You might need to listen to some of them over and over so that you can overcome these things. Because if you, let's say you win in the fear space, but you're still holding on to unforgiveness or you're still comparing or you're still dealing with apathy, then you're not going to win. And so obviously you have to kind of take a little chunk at a time and don't bite off more than what you can chew. But realize that shame is kind of the one relationship mistake that feeds all the others. And so I want to be able to give everybody some tips on how to heal from that. Now, I am not a therapist, and so we're not doing therapy here, okay? So just breathe. It's okay. Um, But I do want to be able to give you some real practical steps for how you can actually start to, first of all, uncover shame. Some of you might be listening right now like, I don't deal with shame, Dana. And I promise you, you do. Like, we all deal with it. Now, is it a stronghold in everybody's life? No, absolutely not. I could tell you, for me, it definitely used to be a stronghold in my life, and I didn't even know it. I never realized that I was dealing with shame until somebody pointed it out to me. And then I started saying, like, oh, gosh, you know? And then I started to kind of go through this process. Same process that I went through, I'm going to share with you. But first, I have an important announcement that I want to share with you. Today's episode is brought to you by Dana Shea Relationship and Marriage Coaching. Married women, I am bringing you a live workshop where we will dive into your deepest desires as a wife and help you maximize your marriage for real. 
Join me for a live intensive two-hour workshop in person or online on Tuesday, December 15th, 2020 at 7 p.m. Eastern, where we will gather as a group of married women to discuss our rights and our wrongs. This marriage workshop is for women only. And sis, you will leave not only feeling inspired, but also empowered. You have the right to be loved. You have the right to be secure. And you have the right to help your husband maximize his potential. But let's be real. You're also probably unknowingly committing some wrongs that are sabotaging your success. Join an amazing group of women for a time of learning and group discussion on how to rediscover your potential and your power as a wife. The workshop is only $39 and will fill up quickly. Due to COVID restrictions, we only have space for a limited amount of live attendees. So whether you want to join us live in person or live online, be sure to head on over to danashay.com coaching to get your ticket. Let's take women's rights to a whole new level. Let's show women what their purpose and power really is in marriage. Head over to danashay.com coaching and register today. So I want to go ahead and share with you all some tips that have helped me deal with the shame that I've felt in my life. And hopefully these tips will actually help you to, first of all, start asking yourself if shame is something that you're dealing with on a consistent basis, and then to actually walk this process out of how to overcome it. So the first thing that I had to do is I had to reflect. I had to ask myself, why do I feel unworthy? what is the root of me feeling like I'm somehow defective or there's something wrong with me? And you guys, I have to tell you that this is really hard to do because again, if you're already feeling like I need to hide, sometimes that means that you're hiding from your own self. And so choosing to be vulnerable, choosing to really dig deep, it can be painful. It can be really painful but it's worth it if you actually ask yourself what happened. And sometimes maybe it's like one traumatic event that happened to you, but maybe it's compounded. Maybe there there were things that someone said when you were being raised, or maybe there was something that your spouse said, or maybe your friends have treated you a certain way, or you've never been able to really advance in your career, and you've always felt like you're kind of late to the party. Whatever it is, those situations can be compounded on top of each other. But I would encourage you, whether you need to do this with a therapist, or whether you just really want to do the hard work of reflecting and finding out what is the root of this shame. And this is not an easy thing to do, you guys. I wish I could tell you that this is easy. Sit down 15 minutes, you're going to have it figured out. But probably that's not the case. You're probably going to have to really sit with the Lord and pray and ask him to reveal what has gone on in your life to make you feel this way. However you get to this point of reflection, you definitely need to do it. I think that that's the first thing, probably one of the most healing things that I was able to do in my situation was to ask myself, why do I feel this way? Who told you? You know, I think again, and going back into the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were naked, what did God say? Who told you that you were naked? 
And I think that that's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Like, who told you that you were defective? Who told you that you were unworthy? So that's the first thing, reflect. Number two, I think that one of the best healing agents for shame is empathy. And Sean kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier in the podcast when he was talking about how a lot of times in our lives we blow it and we know that we've messed up. But if we've got somebody else who kind of comes in, they're like, yep, you're a low down, dirty, nothing. And yeah, you're a mess. You know, that's not going to help us to overcome shame. But when people actually show empathy toward us, when people are gracious toward us, that actually helps us. Now think about how are you showing yourself grace? How are you allowing those thoughts to become positive? And we're going to talk about this more in just a second. But how can you show yourself empathy, if you will? I know that's kind of a play on words because technically empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of someone else. But how can you give yourself grace? How can you become a person that is compassionate towards yourself? Instead of, you know, you did this thing, you did this wrong thing, and so you are wrong. And that, my friends, is actually the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is good. I know that's not what the world teaches us. The world teaches us that we should never feel guilty. But the truth of the matter is guilt is actually needed for repentance. We would never repent. We would never say I'm sorry if we never felt guilty for what we did. And so the thing is, is that guilt says I did wrong. I did wrong. I made a mistake. I messed up, right? Shame says I am wrong. That's the huge difference there. Guilt is I did wrong. Shame is I am wrong. Shame is never productive, ever. And so we don't want to be people who feel shame. But yeah, there are times that we need to feel guilt. And once that guilt leads us to repentance, we repent. And now the work of guilt is done. And now we no longer need guilt. But I want us to become people who are in the process of all of that, feeling guilty, repenting, being restored, that we treat ourselves with compassion. You will never be able to treat other people with compassion if you don't treat yourself with compassion. Truly, think about that. The third step is that we need to have courage. Brene Brown, who has done so much work on shame, she's actually a shame researcher. I feel like I probably quote Brene Brown at least once a week. I've read a lot of her books. I'm very familiar with her, um, her teaching and her immense work, her extraordinary work that she's done in this area of shame and vulnerability. In one of her quotes, Brene Brown says, courage comes from a word meaning heart. To live with courage, you need to be willing to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. She actually calls this wholehearted living. And I love that. You know, when I think about where am I most courageous in my relationships? What relationships do I still hide in? And just to be real, guys, I still do it sometimes. There are still relationships that I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. I don't know if I can really be myself completely in that relationship, right? But when I was able to say, and my most important relationship, which is my marriage, I have to be willing to be courageous. I have to be willing to look weak. I have to be willing to look dumb. I have to be willing to, oh my goodness, cry. Like seriously, that was a big step for me to say, I'm going to be courageous enough to actually emote. I think it's changed my marriage. I think it's changed me for sure. 
The fourth thing is affirmations. And I know that I've talked about affirmations on other podcasts, but you guys, like this is not just positive self-talk. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You could change that out. As a woman thinketh in her heart, so is she. What does that mean? That means that as we think about ourselves, that is who we will be. Words are powerful and so are thoughts. And so if we are going around telling ourselves, I am never going to be fill in the blank. I always mess up. I'm never going to accomplish blah, blah, blah. Like those words, those thoughts are so powerful. And all we have to do is flip the script. I am a huge believer in affirmations. I actually have a notebook that sits on my nightstand and I add new affirmations to that notebook all the time. And I actually take it a step further where I will have these affirmations rooted in scripture. So instead of just saying, I am a good person, I am nice, I am successful, like I will actually have affirmations based on what God's word says about me. And I'll write the scripture there. These have been some of the most powerful words that I have ever spoken over myself. And it's such, um, it's a worshipful practice, but it's also a powerful practice that I'm able to read, not what my limiting, hateful, self-loathing thoughts are, but what God says about me. What is it that I truly believe about myself? I'm telling y'all, like, I don't know if there's anything more powerful than coming into agreement with what God's word says about you. If you don't know what his word says about you, you have got to get in there and find out. It's amazing. You will be like, what? I did not know God had all these wonderful things to say about me. And so this is not just building yourself up so that you can feel good. This is about learning how to undo the shame in your life so that you can live fully into who God says that you are, who he created you to be. Back in the garden, he created you to be naked and unashamed. And so that is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for me as I continue the work of uncovering the layers and layers of shame because we all have these different layers and they show up at different times. And so I just want us to all just take a deep breath, literally, like just exhale. It's okay. It's okay if you feel shame. It's not okay that you keep it, but it's okay that you feel it and that you at least acknowledge it because remember that God can't heal what you won't feel. Well, that's it, you all. We are finished with the Relationship Mistakes series, and I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. I hope that you've been challenged by these latest podcast episodes, and like I said earlier, I hope that this has encouraged you to do some of the hard work that you need to do in order to uncover some of the unhealthy habits that we have 
that are actually causing us to self-sabotage in our relationships. So that's it for this episode, you guys. I am excited about our upcoming workshop. Be sure to visit me on danashay.com slash coaching to find out all the details for you married ladies, those ladies who want to be married, who are anticipating marriage. We are going to have an extraordinary time talking praying, laughing, and of course, you'll get some really good teaching about the wrongs and some of the rights that we are making in our relationships. So danashay.com slash coaching. And be sure to join me next week. Next week is going to be an incredible episode. I have special guest Mort Fertel, who is the author of the book Marriage Fitness. He is a marriage expert. I have been following Mort for years, and I was super excited to be able to interview him. So you are not going to want to miss that episode next week. Same time, same place. Thanks so much, you guys, for your support. Thank you for sharing these episodes. And be sure to visit me on social media. You can follow on Instagram at Real Relationship Talk or on Facebook at The Real Relationship Talk. Have an incredible week. I'll see you all next week. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.